Well, looky what we have here. We're fucking finally back. Hello, people. It is us. It is Brad and Tony. We're actually back. We are. About time. Yeah, it's it's been a while, but yes. look, I mean... So much has happened. Especially for you. Yeah, my life has oh. been pure chaos the last three it weeks. It really has. Uh, you've been quite the busy man and a little bit harder to get a hold of as of late. <laughs> Tell so, me um, about it. So the show's had to have a little bit of a hiatus yet again. Yes, a slight back burner. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I mean, it happens. It does. And I'm hoping that as a result... Of the work that I do and the position that I'm in now, that I'm a little bit more articulate in terms of when I talk. We will see as the show progresses where I'm at with that. Yeah, because look, we can't really guarantee that that's going to be the case because you might have used up all your brain power during work and now your brain's just gone to mush. True. I worked a full day. I did a session after that. So I'm kind of flatlining as it is. So this should definitely make for an interesting experience. But you know what we should do? Something Uh we haven't done in a while. Uh Uh-oh. What are we drinking tonight? Oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you know what? Initially, before I got here, I went and did a stock up at the bottle. I've got CC and Coke for tomorrow in preparation. Right. But tonight I am on Jack and Coke in the nice old school bottle format. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. And you? Well, I just uh, wandered over to the old bar in the old household and grabbed myself some um, Baron Samedi spiced rum. How is it? Um, I actually haven't tasted it yet. Let the but, crew um, know. Let the crew know. <laughs> strong. It's strong. <laughs> Maybe I put a bit too much in? No, I think that's probably not enough. <laughs> Um, yeah, that'll put the lead in your pencil. Mm, do that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yummy. Mm, yes. But, um, yeah, look, let's just do a quick sort of... You know what? Actually, I'll save it till after this intro. This is Rebels Without a Clue. So, we're back at it. Now, a lot of stuff has happened since we last recorded. Yes. A lot of news and a lot of announcements have been made since we last recorded. A shit ton. So, we got the new drop for the Mortal Kombat trailer. Which I'm on another playing field at the moment waiting for You're on the biggest chub. I have been. I have been. I have... And, you know, it's gotten so bad for me that it's escalated to the point of me sitting down watching YouTube just to see people's reactions to the trailer and sharing in the moment with, like, everyone else. For me, I get real joy out of that experience. So, I'm very, very keen on that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so it looks pretty damn... Look, I'm impressed to a degree, but yeah. like I have been with a lot of this, all these new trailers and stuff... Not getting my hopes super up. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Looks cool. I'll check it out. I'll have a better judgment after I watch it. That's actually a really nice segue into what we're actually going to discuss tonight. There's so much more news to go through. There is news. I'm Okay. Let, let's go through the news. That's I'm what really I'm keen. saying. Let's I'm just really get keen. through this. All right, let's do it. So, what do you got? What do I have? Um, so, between, obviously, the Mortal Kombat trailer, which I'm thoroughly excited about... Uh, I've been keeping tabs on a lot of the upcoming new movies um, that especially like Netflix stuff. Mm -hmm. There's one coming out with Michael B. Jordan written by Tom Clancy. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks fucking crazy. That, what's it called again? Oh, I can't think. I can't anyway. Think. Uh, there was another one that's being released soon. It's another war-style film. Yep. It looks incredible. I'll have to... I'll post it on the page. Yeah. Um, what else have I... Obviously, Kong versus Godzilla, now that that's out. I yes. haven't heard much feedback about it yet. I've heard feedback. Um, most of it's been positive. Okay. Well, that's I've only start. heard one that wasn't positive. Okay. Critics, so, do you know what it scored on like IMDb or anything like that? I haven't looked, but I don't plan to look at critics' reviews for it because oh. all I want to see is just a monster fight. Yeah. That's all I really want to see. And that's what you that's what I expect from a Godzilla movie. You'd hope so. Yeah. Okay, well look, it's seven point one on IMDb. So it's, it's not a bad, bad score. It's not bad. Considering it's Kong versus Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. You, you don't expect it to have a fucking masterpiece. Mm. So at the end of the day, I think anything above a seven is yeah. a pass mark. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah. What about you? What's news for you? Uh so just some some cool news dropped today. Um few more of the um, voice actors for the new Batman animated film, Long Halloween, mm-hmm. my personal favourite comic arc from Batman, yep. um, just got announced. I think the major one that I saw is that Jensen Ackles has been cast as Batman okay. for the movie. So cool that's, voice. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? I was trying to think. Oh, fuck. I've gone blank. Mm, mm. I think that's kind of, I think that's just flooded my head yeah. at the moment. Yep. Just okay. that. So I'm well, really looking forward to that. Very good. Yes. Very good. Let's progress. Let's progress. So- Leading on back onto your segue, yeah, for what we're discussing tonight. Now I know we're so a technically bit, it's a double segue now. It is, yeah, it is. But look, going, look, we're a bit late to this whole, uh, I guess, this train. Mm. But mm. we finally got around to watching the Snyder Cut for Justice League a couple of weeks back. Yes. Now we did plan to release this episode earlier, but obviously life got in the way and we've been busy and whatnot. So yes. we're going to hammer it out now. Correct. So. Where do we even begin with this? It was so long. It was such a long movie, but for as long as it was, I didn't feel like at one, at no point that I wasn't enjoying it. No. I the, felt like I was enjoying the whole ride. The, it was kind of necessary for the length. Like, I know that sounds weird saying that, considering it is four hours. And yeah. you think back to Return of the King, a yeah. nice solid three, three and a half hours. Yeah. It's a long fucking movie. Yeah. But- well, It's closer this, to the four hour mark. Yeah. Director's cut is- um, oh, what so, other cut would you watch? Well, that's true. But sitting watching this one, I felt the first two hours just kind of gave it that breadth and let it breathe where I felt like I was getting a grasp of story. They were giving me background. They were painting a picture of characters. Yeah. And, you know, for example- It was example, good that they were giving a lot of characters a, enough time to be kind of developed and explained. Yes. And Nothing- It didn't feel rushed. That's where they were lacking in the initial one. Mm. It was a hot mess, oh. and there was no thorough explanation of a lot of the character basis. No. So, you know, with what's the fucking robot cunt? Cyborg. Cyborg. The robot cunt. His <laughs> story within Snyder Cut was so much more comprehensive, so much more layered. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed how his development as a character progressed along. Yeah, exactly. Wonder Woman. New angles. I got new angles from her in that. Yeah. So much better than her depiction in 84. 84, don't even bring that into the equation because even that first initial scene with Wonder Woman in the bank. Yeah. That just absolutely painted a whole new picture. And you're like, this is what we wanted to see with Wonder Woman. This is what she's about. And the way they she moved, throwing people up against walls. You're like, okay. Okay, that's old school Wonder Woman. Yeah, there. and didn't you notice as well that there was like when she was throwing like the thugs against walls and stuff, 
you saw like blood splatter yes, from the hit. Absolutely. Like, holy crap. Yeah. So that straight away said to me that this was going to be different. Yeah. I felt like we were in for a ride. I kind of felt like I was prepared for it, but in the end, I actually wasn't because yeah. it gradually just kept getting better and better. Yeah. So that first two hours was dedicated to story development. Yeah. Wholeheartedly, I was wrapped about that. Yeah. The last two hours in building up to the nice fight sequences and an ending that was paid its dues. It worked. Yeah. It absolutely worked. Yeah. So I sat there and I was just like, you know what? I'm happy with this. I'm yeah. really happy with this. Yeah, I felt satisfied after watching that. And it under, it makes a lot more sense now with the Snyder Cut out, why it's now gaining so much traction yeah. for the Snyderverse. Yeah, exactly. I understand it. You know, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of criticism at the start, a lot of back and forward to and fro about, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to just really paint a same picture as the old one, but with a few revised scenes? Yeah. But the time that they invested in it through the development of the plot, through the development of the characters and through the sequencing of how it rolled out in the movie, my hands are up, people. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. His hands are up. They're up. <laughs> and, I, and I felt like this one, I think the biggest thing for me was the way that Ben Affleck portrayed Batman. Yes. Right? This one, it felt like it was structured in the correct way. Yes. The first one, the first Justice League cut really shit me mm-hmm. on as to how they made him act when he was Bruce and when he was Batman. Mm-hmm. So, I was thoroughly impressed with the way that they went about it. They actually did it right this time as opposed to reversing the roles. Yes. Because my biggest gripe last time was that they made, when he was playing Bruce Wayne, they made him act like Batman. And when he was Batman, he acted more like Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. That's something that really shit me with the original cut. This one, on the other hand, it was structured correctly. Like, he acted more like Batman when he was Batman, Mm -hmm. which is the way it should be. It's not hard to get. But this time, it felt like they did it right. Yeah. And I think what added to that was not just what you're saying, but then the shots that Batman was in, a lot of the scenes in terms of the way they were filmed were shot in like that comic book style. Like the way the scene was organized, it was painted in a way where it was like, you know, this really dark gray and bluish hue to it. And I felt like I was getting a taste of old Sin City. Yeah. In yeah. in that vein of filming. Yeah. Even like when Batman was standing on the gargoyle. Yeah. Like those kinds of really cool, just, you know, quick scenes, but painting that picture of what the audience wants with Batman. Yeah. It was, like they were that the money shots. Dark Knight. Yeah. You know? They were the money shots. Absolutely. Um, I know that there was a whole bunch of criticism and a lot of memes developed from Wonder Woman's slow mo sequences, where <laughs> how Wonder Woman can't star in a scene without a nice slow down section of her piece just to get, you know, Gal Gadot's flowing hair and amazing physique. And I was like, yeah, okay, there was a bit of that. There was a lot of slow down sequences, but they all paid homage to what the story was about. There yeah. was like no ones that were in there that were kind of like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, and I felt that with the, with those sort of slow motion scenes for her, it's like, well, how do you probably depict those kind of action scenes without slowing them down? Because if you just have it in real time and just moving super quick, yeah, it doesn't give you that same wow factor. Yeah, 100%. you know, you had to slow it down to show just how impressive, uh, like a feat she just displayed. Yeah, you know, you had to you had to slow it down. Yeah, otherwise it just would have been like, all right, quickly defect bullets. All right, done. 
oh, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. But when you slow it down, you're seeing kind of ricochet off her bright like armbands and shit. It looked really, really cool. And even that one scene where Flash touched the uh, the glass window. Yeah, when yeah, just before the the car accident. That was know? brilliant. Yeah. Like that scene itself was just so nicely done like i feel like i'd want to watch something like that in imax yeah like snyder cut in imax would have been fucking incredible it would have been yeah. oh my god such a burp oh. oh it was like i brewed the jack in my belly oh yuck oh that was yummy oh. it's like i've just had four instead of three now ew gross oh disgusting Oh, still going. Fucking hell. It's just mass regurgitation. I know, I can't help it. <laughs> um, but even just like the little parts when after he kind of broke through the glass and was saving Iris from the from the accident, just the kind of little hints of comedy in it when he's kind of looking around, picks the hot dog, puts it in his pocket, then just kind of gently lays her down, mm-hmm. stares at her awkwardly for a minute, and then is gone. Yeah. Just, yeah. It just plays like kind of like, that kind of, I guess... Ezra Miller's interpretation of Flash. Now, one thing I've been wanting to bring up about this is we need to pay homage to the moment that me, you, and Tyson created. Oh, God, that was so funny. Please bring up how it came to be. So, the scene where they're fighting Superman after he's just been resurrected, um, everyone, so basically, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg have all gotten their asses kicked by him. And then Bruce finally rocks up, like... Basically, like the fat kid in a race at the very end. <laughs> Helps the cut up. Help, like, just checks on a, a policeman that's on the ground. He's like, yeah, mate, you're all right. Then gets up, sees Superman, like, stare at him and start to come towards him. And the look, like, his body language and his look, it looked like he was just about to go, aww. <laughs> like, why did I come here? Why me? <laughs> the defeatist face. Of Batman at that point is probably one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. It was just, I I know I fucked up. I have fucked up royally right now. (laughs) And just seeing Superman, then the whole headbutt sequence with Wonder Woman. Oh, that was so good. It's like, "Mm, Wonder Woman, you did all right. Let me prepare you for this one. Yeah, lift. I'll raise myself up a little bit. Bring you up with me and fucking go. And an axe kick you, but headbutt you into the ground, (laughs) you lebo slut. Axe kick, but headbutt Yeah. Yep. Just oh roll with it. God. Just roll with it. <laughs> you absolute spaz. Yep. Oh my god. But yeah, just just that. Oh. And the fact that we sat there laughing about it for I reckon forty minutes actually worked because we recreated the scene that many times of the lead up, the moment, and the after effects of it. So that was honestly, that was fantastic. Sharing in that together, because I think watching it on my own, I wouldn't have appreciated that moment as much. Definitely not. Because we all found commonality in that. And we're like, oh, poor cunt. (laughs) (laughs) But even like going back to the very start of the movie with the kind of the showing of Superman dying from Doomsday. And he kind of lets out that, that yell or scream, whatever you want to call it. And you see the shockwaves of it go across the planet and then start heading into space. Yeah. Basically, kind of like, it's almost like the like the signal that he's dead. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, like the sun died. Legit. Yeah. But then it's almost like the kind of the green light for any invaders to be like, all right, this Earth's unprotected. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, how did you feel about Darkseid? I didn't mind the design. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done well. I think the way that they put it in through the movie and depicted how he was was done really well. Yep. Especially when they got to the point of 
kind of guess his involvement in the whole thing. Yeah. How like the mastermind. The mastermind of it, but also the whole I like how they finally just depicted him as a villain, but there's no like past trauma or background story to make him feel relatable and kind of feel sorry for him in a way. Like they did with Like they did with Thanos. Yeah. Right? This one is just he's just pure villain. Yeah, just pure villain, he's just evil. Mad Conqueror. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's all it is is a first for power. That that's what he's like in the comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all the first for power and the sorting and the basically the discovery of the anti-life equation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, all right, that's good. We finally get a villain who's just a villain. Yeah. And he's just evil because that's who he is. There's no kind of like past trauma that brought brought him to be the person he's become or there's n- nothing, a point in his life where he changed into this person. Yeah. He was always that. It's like I, good, and I think leave it at that. They did nicely in regards to that. There was no similarities. There was no comparisons to what Marvel did with Infinity War or anything like that. Yeah, it was its own piece. Yeah, it was you know really kind of staying true to what the characters were about, what DC's about, and I think if anything. Snyder took it more in the line of what DC really needs to be about. Yeah, because. He didn't try to recycle Justice League. No. His vision was so vastly different from Joss Whedon, it's not even funny. No. So you think when Whedon's version got released, you're like, wait, wait, what? What what is this? How did this happen? Yeah. But then now seeing the truer vision of it, you're like, fuck me. What would have happened if this was initially released with that quality and that content, mm. it would have just gained so much more traction for DC in the process. But it just makes you think, would it have though? Well, I think Do you it think would've. that to a degree that because of the whole, I guess, the kind of the fight to get it released and then it finally got the go ahead yeah. after the fan support and all that sort of thing, that it's gotten this reaction now because of that? Would it have been the same if they just released that like that from get go? Yeah, because do you know what it is? The, the movie speaks for itself. So, if even if Snyder had released it in a two-part thing, the way Infinity War and uh, Endgame were done, yeah, people, you know, with that background story and setting up that final two hours, I would have been, fuck yes, I can't wait for this. Yeah. So, the momentum that Endgame had after Infinity War, it would have been similar. Obviously, not the same. I don't think it would have had the same following because- like, obviously, we know with Marvel, they've done their homework. They've set up their formula perfectly. Yeah. But DC are in the vein of restructuring what they're trying to do. Yeah. And they're on the right path, which is the first time I think I've said that in a really long time. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, yeah. it's set up now for, well, where do we go from here? Yeah. Now, my concern is in the event that we do go to a new venture and it does lead to the Snyderverse, how's he going to keep that momentum rolling? What arc does he need to look at? Which characters does he need to look at? Who is he introducing? What's the plan? Do we know? I think it would have to be along the lines of, Connor, you've got to keep the main end game as the big fight against Doomsday and him wanting to basically take over Earth, turn into another apocalypse, get the anti-life equation and rule the universe. Doomsday. And all, not Doomsday, sorry, oh, Darkseid. I was going to say, yeah. Sorry, fine. my apologies. Yeah. Um, for Darkseid to basically take over the, the universe and the multiverses with the anti-life equation. Yeah. So that would have to be kind of the primary end game for that whole arc. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is with Darkseid, even in the comics, he's never properly defeated. He always kind of just makes it out. Okay. And always make a return. Yeah. 
So it always leads for bigger and like bigger and more, I guess, cataclysmic storylines to yeah. come out of it. I think that's one thing that this had is similarity in regards to the Avengers Endgame and the yeah. War saga was that kind of that big cataclysmic world-ending yeah, okay. scale of events. Yeah, okay. Right? Because um, with Marvel, we had the whole finger snap and half the half the population of the universe just yeah. disappearing. Whereas with this, we were losing, like, they were losing civilizations. Yeah. Like, yeah. basically, the Amazonians got wiped out. The Atlanteans got fucked over. Yeah. Um, a lot of people on Earth got fucked up as well. So, it's sort of like, it's that big sort of like, oh, my God, everything's going to shit. How can they ever recover from this? Yeah. But I think that's kind of a really nice way to set up the potential of something greater to happen. Yeah. You know, when they do that, it kind of gives people that sense of, oh, fuck, this is all gone to fucking hell in high water. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Yeah. And that's when you find a lot of the audience unites and kind of like, all the theories start coming out. Oh, what? how are they going to get it back, you know? And then it's this whole new dialogue around the movie and it's, well, that's getting it momentum. That produces that momentum. Yeah. If you were at the helm of DC, <laughs> so, no, 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 This I probably haven't asked you this one. You probably so, have. No, I, I don't think I have. Okay. Dark side, obviously, big bad. Yes. Let's hypothetically say down the line he's defeated. Mm-hmm. Who's the next big bad you introduce? A uh, character known as the Anti-Monitor. Okay. Elaborate. So basically, a godlike entity that is antimatter. So basically, you got lot the like basically life, which is positive. Yeah, you know it produces life and existence and all that sort of stuff. Anti-monitor is the complete opposite. Okay. So it is sole purpose is to, in a way, create balance, but also to basically reduce the universe to nothing. So. Something in like a god that would be one like that. That would be yeah. Go on, sorry. Um, how do how do the Justice League in itself go up against someone like that? Very complicated. Is there even a it's way to defeat a character like there that? There is, but then it involves a lot of cosmic, like cosmic entities and powers, and um, a race known as the New Gods of Genesis. Okay, which is a lot to go into, but. Yeah. Well, is there anyone everyone can that, look into that if you want to know about the new would gods. Would anyone know any of those new god characters? Oh, people who are into the comics would know. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have those, but then you've also got another big bad in the DC universe, Brainiac. Is that the Green Lantern bad painting of that picture? No. Oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Sorry, I could be on, I'm completely on the wrong path. Yeah. In the Green Lantern movie. No, that's Parallax. But then there was Parallax? And then who's the fucking he, the Stalin Skarsgård plays him? Yeah, Parallax. Oh, that is Parallax. That's Sorry, Parallax. my bad. Okay, yeah. Brainiac is another. I guess you could call him a similar, like similar dark side kind of character, but he's like an overly powerful sentient being that basically collects civilizations and will overrule them and basically collect them and keep them. Is he big as a character? Not overly big. Okay. But he uses well. He's got vast technology that can shrink down civilizations. He basically, it's like he's like you think of like a bug collector, yeah, but on a, a global scale, on a on a galactic scale. Yeah, okay. So yeah. he captures whole planets and whole civilizations. Yeah, okay. Basically, so he can have them. They're so part that, of his it collection. always baffles me, like how characters then come up against a character like that because it's like, yeah, how does someone even? Def- 
defeat a character like that. The DC universe can get very convoluted and mixed up with so many different things and so many different powers. It's It gets really, I guess, complicated at a certain point. It, do you think- Especially going through... Um, I was actually going through an, an arc recently um, where things just got so fucked up and so messed up that they were basically using, like, uh, multi-dimensional means to combat the enemy. Okay. So there was one I was reading where um, they got this... Batman got a hold of this device known as the Mobius chair. Okay. That knows... That has all the knowledge in the universe. Interesting. Basically, there's nothing that it doesn't know. And it channels itself through whoever sits on it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And it's... Yeah, with that sort of stuff mixed with other things and that's how they kind of, you know, save the day and... A uh, little bit of interdimensional travel, sometimes even time travel. It's just, it can get very convoluted. So, with with that in mind, looking at the way Marvel and DC are structured, if they're going to have a continuity about it in terms of movies, so, like, let's say, you know, setting a 5 to 15-year timeline. Yeah. How, like, Mar- I think Marvel have a pretty clear direction in terms of where they want to go. Yeah. DC, like, I'm worried that they're being more reactive rather than proactive in the way they're making movies. Which is a bit of a frustrating thing because they've got all those kind of big event timelines already written. They're already done. They're ready to go. Yeah. You just need to look at the source material and go, all right, that's where we're heading. Let's go with this. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's going to be tricky for them to do because they're going to get that, look at it and go, how do we in a way simplify this so that audiences will understand what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because with those, you can get very easily lost and see, into that sort of stuff. My feeling towards something like that is that if you're going to follow in a timeline that is quite convoluted and quite complex to actually follow, yeah. you need a writer, someone like a John Favreau, for example, yeah. who knows what they're talking about, who knows it inside out, who yeah. knows what the audience wants. Yeah. Which I think for DC, they just need to listen to him and let him in. Basically, I think the John Favreau of the DC universe is Kevin Smith. Okay. that That's Clerks, dude, isn't it? Yeah. Silent oh, Bob. Yeah, okay. Shit. He's written for DC Comics. He's written for Marvel Comics. He's, he's basically the embodiment of a comic book nerd. Yeah. He okay. is the comic book nerd. Yeah. Right? So, he's been in the writing process. He's directed... Like, he's directed a couple episodes in the CW universe yeah. for, like, Fashion Hour and all that sort of stuff. So, it's like, well, if you're going to get someone to write this stuff, get Kevin Smith. Yeah. Let him do his thing. Don't hinder him. Let Basically, Free what rain. you let Zach do, let him do. Yeah. And he will bring you success. Yeah, okay. I think that's probably the... That's who I think would be the best candidate to be at the helm of the DC Cinematic Universe. What do you think... For him alongside Zack Snyder... That would be a good mix. What do you think that is the kind of prohibiting factor or the barriers and challenges that production companies face in creating that original source material where they give people like Kevin Smith the helm and say, hey, here's free reign, use your creative juices, let them flow, let's see what happens with that. What are the barriers to that actually happening? I'm not sure, Yeah, to be honest. It's I think it's, it's Hollywood. Yeah, who, God only knows what goes on behind closed doors in production meetings. Look, I think certain things obviously would have to be budgets. Yeah. Clearly, because they don't want to blow it out of the water in case, you know, it's a flop. 
But then you look um, at what they did with The Mandalorian, right? Yeah. The budget was fucking astronomical for that show. Yeah. But with the right people running the show, look at the success that, and look at what it produced afterwards. Yeah. How many fucking different shows are now coming out as a result of that? Yeah. Exactly it's, right. it's literally like fucking a gold mine. It's like Sovereign Hill. Yeah. <laughs> so- Bay- Sovereign Hill. Sovereign Hill. Sovereign Hill. Hill. What do you call, oh, say, Sovereign Hill or Sovereign? No, 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 Sovereign Hill. Yeah. Right, but, but that, it's what a gold analogy mine. is I that? I'm, I'm just using it. I'm oh, using it. Oh, for the love of God. But hearing that, it just, it, or seeing Justice League now and what Zack Snyder has done has renewed a little bit of faith for me in terms of what they can do, where they can go, how they want to introduce characters, and to have an input of someone who genuinely looked like he had a ball of a time creating it. And then even now, hearing all the feedback from a lot of even Marvel people yeah. are saying that, wow, that was impressive. So you're on the fucking right path. Yeah. For Warner Brothers not to listen to this man about his vision and what he wants to do and creating that Snyderverse, yeah. you'd be silly not to fucking follow those footsteps. Yeah, but I think in a way it's almost a bit of penis envy in, in regards to that because they don't want to kind of go, all right, we need you, Zach, to do this because then it's like, all right, he's got all the power. We can't really, con- well, control him. Yeah. You know, because they still want to have control at the end of the day. Like, even with the Snyder Cut, as much creative freedom and things of what he could do were allowed, a lot of the stuff, they said no, right? So, apparently, all the reshoots he did, they initially said no to that. Why is that? And he did them anyway. Why? Pff, fucked if I know. Because I'm not 100 percent sure. I think there is a reason out there. I'm not. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But I know that my, my, they said no to the reshoots. Well, I know. And then he just fucking he goes. All right, I'm just gonna do it anyway. Fuck yeah. You. So he did that. Um, the inclusion of Martian Manhunter. Yeah, I'm gonna go down this path. Okay. Now originally that was supposed to be Green Lantern, mm-hmm. but when he went to do when he went to add Green Lantern into the movie, Warner Brothers go hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't put him in. We've got plans for him later. Yeah. So, he had to listen to that. Which is like, fair oh, enough. Okay, sure. Fair enough. But it's like, you think at the same time, it's like, do you remember what you did to Green Lantern last time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you'd think they'd have enough foresight now and understand, looking back in hindsight, we made train wrecks that weren't successful, that made fuck all money, and were on a big budget. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, that should dictate now... How they approach it, what they look at, who they involve, and how they go about moving forward from that. Yes, in an ideal world, that would be the case. Yeah, but, but it, it's never is the that case. not common sense though? Like, no, not- sitting here with you, like we're nobodies in this. Yeah, we have no, we're, we're invested. Yeah, but we're not really in the know about what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah, but it seems like it is a common sense argument to talk about. You fucked up. You yeah. really fucked up. Yeah. Look at what you've been able to do in the space of one fucking movie. Mm. And to think, okay, well, this is what we put in place now. It worked. Why do we not now start establishing a foundation for that formula to move forward? You'd think Again, you would think that would be the case in an ideal scenario. But we both know that's not how Hollywood works. I know, I know. And I think that's that, what that, The problem is, is that they think they have these people on like that they hire that think they know better when yeah. they clearly have no fucking clue yeah. about what is going to make a good movie, first of all, and secondly, what people want. Yeah. Right? They've got no fucking idea. So, 
the problem is is that you have those people that are in charge of these projects and it's like you're clearly the wrong people for this and you're going to fuck it again. And it's devastating. And this and the Snyder Cut is proof of that point. Yeah, absolutely. When you leave studio execs and put a director who's in, who's taken over basically as a courtesy to the original director to finish it, that's what you get. Yeah. You get a pile of dog shit. Yeah, it was. Okay? When you let someone who's basically that that like that movie is his baby. Yeah. And you let him nurture it and do it the way he wants to do it, you're going to get a quality product. Do you think they were kicking themselves? Like, do you think they were like, oh, we, we fucked up? Like, now that Snyder Cut came out, it gained the traction that it did. It got that ridiculous review right across the board. And then the Warner Brothers execs are sitting in an office going, wow, we really did fuck up. I think they've been saying that since Green Lantern. Yeah. They're saying yeah. about Green Lantern. I think they they kind of clawed back with Man of Steel. Oh, that was good. I, I love that. that I, I think that's well. really impressive. Then they did the same thing again with Batman vs Superman. Garbage. Oh, fuck, we fucked up. So it's like one step forward, five steps back. Then they released their Justice League. Like, oh my god, it like, was a comedy at, of errors. It was just like you thought you would have learned the first time, which is why I'm so happy with the Snyder Cut. Is that from what I saw, he learned from the mistakes he made in Batman vs Superman. Yeah. And I think now, knowing what we know that about this Snyder Cut, you can see with Batman vs Superman that how heavily an influence the studio was. Absolutely, because you look at the pile of dog shit, it is like, well, I wonder why. Yeah, yeah, because they fucked it up. Who's the production company that manages Marvel? Disney. Hmm. So it, it says a lot about. The credentials of what Disney can do. Yeah. And then what Warner Brothers does. Exactly. Which... So I'm trying to think of something else standalone that Warner Brothers have done as of late that was good. Because I'm struggling to think. Yeah. And see, my concern now is there's going to be... They're going to pick these movies up against each other. If Snyder takes control, my thing is, right, Marvel have access to some of my favorite characters now. So. With the introduction potentially of Blade, yeah, Morbius, yeah, running down a darker path for Marvel essentially, yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is this is some serious ground to compete with, yeah. What do DC do? Like, what characters? Like, DC is already dark, darker than Marvel, but what is the introduction? What kind of characters do they bring in to pit up against those sorts of characters for Marvel? Hold on, I'm just going to have a quick look. Just fill in for the meantime. Okay. Um, one of the other things I think that kind of got my mind stirring a little bit was when watching Justice League and obviously Snyder's version of it, I sat there feeling as though it's... You can tell it's 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 a love. It's a passion. All parts of it, I kind of was like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. But you can see the emotional investment that Snyder had in that actual movie. I didn't find that there was anything tiresome. I didn't find that there was anything where I was like, unneeded. That was unneeded. Martian Manhunter scenes, I was a little bit skeptical about. Yeah. I was like, oh, what? Mm, 
could have done yeah, more with it. I think it just put in there just to basically as a plot device. Yeah. That's why they put Martian Manhunter in. He didn't serve any purpose of the greater story or anything. He was just there as a plot device. No. Did you like his design though? I did. Yeah. I, I did. think it was very impressive. Yeah. And it, I think it was, I was watching someone on um, doing a, like a, like it's just a quick sort of, I guess, rant mm. about Martian Manhunter. It's like, you motherfucker, like you motherfucker. You're like the you got the strength of Superman and almost the same invulnerabilities as him, and you still back and did nothing. You useless piece of shit. Yeah, it, it's like that's kind of funny. Like is he, he just as a, powerful as Superman? Pretty much. How could he not get involved? Exactly. Which is sort of like why wouldn't you fucking why wouldn't you bring him? You in? look at that hand sequence when Superman steps into play, and you're just like, holy fuck! Like. The way... Oh, one of the other things I wanted to really touch on this. Steppenwolf's design. Initially, when they made the first one, he was a punce. I'm not going to lie. He was a bit of a punce. (laughs) But how that was now recycled with Snyder's vision, the suit was amazing. Yeah, the suit was very cool. The design, the voice, the face... The general CGI around him was so much fucking better. Yeah. The way he fought. Yeah. The, the darker nature of his fighting style. I was like, this cunt's a brute. Yeah. Like genuine brute. Yeah. And I could see the influence of where he was trying to earn the respect <clears throat> of Darkseid a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I liked that I got a picture and understanding of what's their relationship and how they play into each other. Yeah. Um, painting a picture of, like, Darkseid's universe. And especially when they he did the laser beam shooting thing. Yeah, Mega I was like, fuck yes, yeah. that's cool. I, I like they pa- made that part of it. We're talking Darkseid or Steppenwolf? Darkseid. Right, yeah. Um, but Steppenwolf was an incredible addition in terms of just the reimagined vision of it. Yeah. And But I think just the fact of when Superman, Black Cape, black suit, and then goes and fucking absolutely wrecks him. Yeah. I was just With like, very little effort. With fuck all effort. Yeah. It, it kind of gives you a really nice picture of how fucking strong he is. Exactly, yeah. Which is, I think, something that they hadn't really depicted yet. No. Not in the cinematic universe. They never depicted how strong he really is. It is. And, and like, my issue is, Man of Steel, like, when he fights the- um, Zod. Zod. Zod must be incredibly strong because it's a pretty fucking he's decent an, battle between them. He's another Kryptonian. Exactly. So um, puts him on equal footing. But I do like that every time we start getting a new thing with Superman in it, he gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So I do want to see him get to a stage where I get to see his full potential of strength. Yeah. Um, where he just completely goes nuts. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a point, that I think what they're leading to, especially with the whole inclusion of the nightmare scenes. Mm-hmm. That they're leading towards the kind of the inevitable, I guess, pass of him being corrupted and becoming evil. Yeah. And then it's the whole thing of how do you combat that? Yeah. Like, how do you take down an evil Superman? That's fucking incredible. That storyline would be super cool. Yeah. Because you know what? He could be the big bad. He could make a good big bad. Yeah. Which, if they're going to go with that kind of route, like the best story I can think of... um, surprisingly comes from Injustice. Okay. Because that story is him losing his shit and becoming an evil planetary dictator. And so who inevitably sorts him out? It's a mix of the Justice League, but yeah, it's it's a mix of all of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
but it's basically Batman at the helm. Oh, that, that's number five. Yuck. <laughs> but yeah, it's mo- it's mostly Batman who's at the helm of that, especially when you get to a point where they had to they actually had to go to a different dimension to get a different Superman to take on this universe of Superman. Wow. That's a that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Hypothetical. They go down that route. Yeah. Who then do you get to play the opposing Superman? I know in my head already who I want. But the thing is, is that, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll get you. Um, do you want me to tell you mine first? Go for it. So, oh, you probably haven't seen Teen Wolf. No. Okay. Oh, but he's in. He's the new Superman in the CW. Right. Him. Okay. Love him. Okay. Love him. Yeah. He's from what I've seen of him in Teen Wolf. He's a fucking animal. Like he's a beast. Yeah. Him in the Superman suit, he's suave and he's nice looking, but he's also got that roughness about him. Mm. So that's where I, I sit with that. Yeah, yeah, you, I could see that. Me bring Brandon Ruth back in. No, not <laughs> Brandon Ruth. He's too soft. It would probably be uh, if I had to probably pick one. It would probably be. I don't know why. I think it's probably the only person I can think of at the moment. Yeah, but it'd be Tom Welling. Fuck. Okay. Smallville Superman. Yeah. Especially now, the way he looks now. Yeah, he's he's a bit bigger and rougher as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Because mm. I know he was doing cameos in one of the CW series. Yeah, it was in the crossover. Yeah. The Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he looked good. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, nah, there's still potential in him yeah. to play that part. Yeah. So that'd be cool for, if it was him. But that's if they were to go down that route, mm. which almost looks like it's what they're doing. Yeah. It really does look like that's the way they're going. Because I don't know how much you know about Injustice. But it starts off with basically, so basically the, the turning point for Superman in that is at the very start, basically Joker and Harley kidnap Lois and then they hide themselves in this like this submarine made of lead. Obviously Superman can't yeah. see through that. So he's going crazy around trying to find her. Finally finds her um, and then he gets sprayed with this toxin and then all of a sudden he seems doomsday. Okay. So... Thinking quickly because he's trying to save Lois, he grabs Doomsday and starts flying into space. Yeah. Goes into space and then Batman clicks. Like, Clark, it's not what you're thinking. Wake up. You're being affected by the toxin. And then then by that point, it's too late. It's Lois. Fuck. Okay. And all he sees is her drifting off into space, dead. Oh, no. But here's the kicker. She was pregnant. Oh, no. Okay. So, what does an enraged Superman do? Just tears the Batman's already got Joker in custody at a police station. Superman flies through the wall of the of the room that they're in. Batman tries to go, Clark, don't do this. But Superman pretty much pushes him aside, goes to the Joker, puts his hand through his chest. That's mad. And kills him. That's mad. And it's from that point that he stood that he basically stepped over the line. Yeah. Is where everything starts to go to shit. Yeah, okay. Because he stepped that line and he killed somebody. That's so cool. I like that. So, if they are going to go down that route, which I pointed it out during the movie and you guys were all like, well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. When Lois is in her apartment and she went to put something back in her drawer. Yeah, and then the pregnancy. And it had the pregnancy test box. Yeah. So, I think they are sort of feeding in the thing that she's pregnant. Would so you be excited think- at the idea of them venturing down that path? I would if it's done right. Yeah. But it's a... It's a full-on fucking story, and there's a lot of characters that they need to bring in before they Who? get down that path. Who? Pretty much a lot, but a lot of the Bat family uh-huh. are in it, and a lot of the like, a, like a big 
portion of the Green Lanterns. That'd be cool. Um, I don't know if you know who Sinestro is. Yes. Yep, the Sinestro Corps as well. Um, Dr. Fate. There's, there's just a big, big... It, basically, everyone's involved. That's mad. It's it's huge. It's Do you think huge. that with that done right, would that equate to the kind of success that could be created from something like it, the way Endgame was? I think it could be. Because okay. it's a storyline and a very dark one at that yeah. that we haven't seen in superheroes yet. Yes. Like, if you thought Infinity, Infinity War was, like, dark and went down a really bad path... Yeah. Injustice is just makes on that level. look like a kid's movie. Yeah, okay. It's fucked. That's cool. That's it really is cool. proper fucked. And see, this we, we've been on this for a long time. I've probably been more of an advocate for it, but DC has that potential. Like, Definitely. It's, it's sitting there. Most of the stories are like that. Untapped goldmine. The thing is that most stories are like that. Yeah. And I think as far as, you know, DC oh, kind of going in the right... You fucking pig. And you love it. But DC going in the right path as far as where their movie cinematic universe is going to go, I think the best test for them wow. now, especially following the Snyderverse, the best, the biggest test for them now is how the next Flash movie goes. Yeah. Okay. What happens with Flashpoint Paradox? Mm. Mm. Because Snyder's not in charge of that. Mm-hmm. So it all rides on how this movie will go as far as Warner Brother not relying on Zack Snyder's universe to proceed. Yeah. Because if they get this right and they do it right, they're it setting them themselves something for something big. Because the Flashpoint Paradox is a great story. Yeah. And shit goes to fucking... Shit goes to shit really quickly. I couldn't think of the analogy. But it goes really bad very quickly. In that yeah. movie. Well, basically, even in the comics, they used the Flashpoint Paradox story to reboot the comic book universe. Yeah. But that was the big sort of cataclysmic event. Was there an intention that brought behind in that? the New Fifty Two? Yeah. So, like, with what they've done in the comics, because what happened prior to Flashpoint, they found that a lot of the DC stories were just getting like there was too many different um, stories set in different universes, and it was all getting convoluted and a yeah. little bit hard of, to follow. Exactly, it was getting very hard to follow. Yeah, and stuff didn't make sense, and just it was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. So they kind of made the executive decision to go, all right. This reboot. is getting out of hand. Flashpoint paradox. Let's do this thing and have Flash reboot the universe. Let's let's kick it into gear with a new universe. Do you like after it was rebooted? I liked New Fifty Two. Okay, I thought it was great. It brought a lot of good stories. Mm, interesting. So if they, so it all rides on how this next Flashpoint paradox is going to go, and I'm just excited to see multiple Batman because uh, they got Batman. because they got. Keaton coming back yeah. as as a Batman. Yeah, which is in itself pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, so they've got Keaton coming back as a Batman. I'm not too sure who else is going to be around. I'm curious to see who they're going to get as Reverse Flash. Yeah, I love that Because they really haven't established him yet at all. Because he plays a big role in kind of the forming of Barry Allen as he will become. Yeah. Like, not what he is now. Like It partly is, but they haven't gone through in the movies like... Who, like how Barry's trying to find the killer of his mum. So what shape and form does Barry take after this interaction with um, Reverse Flash? Is, is he a changed man? Is he a different person? Yeah, to a degree. He goes through a bit of a character, like I guess a maturing and I guess a personal development. Yeah. As opposed to kind of like just sort of like being carefree in, in the sense of, Less playful. Less playful, but also less kind of 
like I guess flimsy with adjusting things in the timeline. Yeah, okay. He takes the whole adjusting things in a time bit more very serious. seriously. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So there is a multitude of directions in which DC could go now. There's a lot of different ways they could do it. Like if they got big plans for, let's say, the Green Lanterns, for example. I mean, the best thing I can think of for the Green Lanterns, if they've got something big planned for Green Lantern and you're going to pretty much bring it into, I guess, a Justice League setting, mm-hmm. is the storyline Blackest Night, which that is I know another you rave big, on about that one. That is a big DC cataclysmic event. Yeah. It's huge. And the Green Lanterns are at the center of it. Okay. okay. So if they've got something big planned for that, that's the arc that, that they would should be go down. 100%. Yeah, okay. That's like, I don't know. If I, if that was me kind of running the show, running the show, that's what I would go with. Cause you want to, cause if you got to, if you want to compete with Marvel now, you got to hit, you got to go big. Yeah. You have to go really big and f- like on a grand, grand scale. Like, yes, you can chuck in a couple of origin stories and stuff there, but you can't focus too much on that. You need Just the hit big them with stories. Your big cards, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but and you know what? You don't even have to have all these like these little intro movies to introduce this character and this character and this character and this character. You Just know go what? balls deep, balls deep. Throw them in. Yeah, give them a bit of development through the movie. People will get them. They'll know who they are, and yeah. they'll and that some some will pick their favorites. Some will like this character. Some will like this character. That's fine. You don't have to like everybody, mm. but you'll know that everyone's got their different role to play. Yeah. So, so it's bypassing yeah. essentially what Marvel did with, you know, four or five years of origin stories. Exactly. It's playing catch up. Getting to, all right, we're at Infinity War. Let's match that. Let's see what grand scale movie we can produce and see where that no, stands. No, 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 no. Not what grand scale movie. It's what grand scale movies we oh, can multiple. produce. multiple. Yeah, okay. Multiples. Yeah, not. Yeah. Not releasing like single ones and you've got a flop here, mediocre one here, yeah. a good one here. It's like, no, 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 no. Just go big. So would Go you, big or go home. Would you rather them take their time? So let's say we don't get a DC essential big story for three or four years, Fine. but for them to do it right. Fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm I, all I, about- I the same opinion. I'm all about them doing things slowly and getting it right. Yeah. Because we all know what happens when you rush something and you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. You get a flop and it's just a waste of time and money. That's true. If you're going to do it properly, do it properly from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck around. Just go straight in, balls deep. Mm-hmm. I agree. I you agree. know, you might have some people that might be confused as to oh, who is this character I've never heard of before. But then it also, I guess, entices people to go, who the hell is that character? Hold on. Let me Google it. Yeah. And bang. There you go. There's yeah. your knowledge. Oh, it's that person. Oh, who was that other guy? Oh, right, cool. So it generates and more talk. Exactly. Generates more talk, generates more interest into the characters themselves and could potentially also lead into people going, I wonder what their story is. And then they'll start, where do you look for their stories? In the comics. Yeah. So it kind of leads you back to the source it's material. It's like a cycle. Yeah. Exactly. It leads okay. you back to the source material. Yeah, absolutely. Which is where it should be and what it should mimic. The scary part about that is that plan makes so much sense. Leading people back into source material then actually opens the door, though, to more criticism because then people become of that where stick to the source material. Like, if you don't do it according to that and create that vision, then they're going to be disappointed. Whereas, like, people like me, I don't know the source material well, but I can go in and based off, like, the knowledge that I get from you, I get a better understanding, but I also can enjoy it for its cinematic value. I think that that will still be... 
the case for yeah. the majority of it because not everyone's going to go back to the source material or go looking further into it. Yeah. They'll just take it for what it is. Yeah. They'll either like it or they won't. But I think there will be a chance for people to kind of get more into it and actually want to investigate further and find out more about these other characters. Yeah, okay. Or even these other stories and go, wow, that was an amazing story. I wonder if they got more like this. And they fucking do. Yeah. they got tons. Like, they got so much source material, it's fucking retarded. Okay. So, back to Snyderly. I want you to now grade it for me. Out of 10, how does it sit for you? I would probably give it... I'd probably give it like a seven and a half to eight. Yeah, I'm sitting on Something an eight. like that. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad movie. It was a far cry from the first one in a good way. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't the perfect movie. And I think they've given us something to benchmark up against and yeah. it's just unparalleled. Like, yeah. there's no comparison. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things as well for oh. why I give it the score that it is, is it's four hours. You're trying to appeal to a mass audience. A lot of people feel daunted to watch a four-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people are going, I was going to start it, but it's like, it's four hours. Like, that's so long. Yeah. I don't know if I want to sit through that. Especially because people got their preconceived judgment of what it's going to be in their head because of the previous Justice League movie. It, oh. It's a hard sell. It is. Because only people are like that heard a lot about it and have been looking into it be like, oh, yeah, I want to see this. But a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't really want to see it because it's like, well, I saw the last one. It wasn't that great. This can't be that much better. And see, this is the problem because it paints the marketability factor of something like that. It's it's a little bit more of a difficult sell, like you yes. said. However, people who are genuinely loyal to the DC you know, universe and understanding of the characters and what was necessary to take place as part of this reimagined vision for yeah. Snyder yeah. knew that that four hours was necessary. Yeah. Because it had to recycle and fucking clear out the garbage that had been created in the past in order to go, this is what I thought about. This is what I imagined. This is what I wanted to create. Mm. So, sitting there like we both said at the start, four hours, you didn't feel it. Like, you got two hours of quality story development, but then you got two hours of great setting up of scenes for fights. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately when you're watching a comic book movie- that is the marketability factor right there. Yeah. Who's fighting who? What kind of fight sequence is it? How much have they paid homage to what the stories are about? Yeah. So, And I think a good thing as well, it, well, credit to Snyder for the way he structured the movie, splitting it up into those parts. Yeah. A lot of people that works did it, so well. A lot of people don't know that that's how it's done. Yeah. So I was actually mentioning to a couple of uh, colleagues at work that that's how it works and you can- Kind of pick where you stop and where you pick it back up again because it's got it's split up into those eight, yeah. like those Chapters. sections, yeah. Which is like, and then it's kind of the whole thing. Of, oh, okay, that's not too bad. I might give it a watch then. Yeah, you know, having known that it's got that kind of format, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's cool. And at the same time, they could have done well, basically what Marvel did with Infinity War and Endgame is just split it into two movies. Mm. You could have done that. You could have. You could have literally split it into Justice Justice League Part One, Justice League Part Two. Yeah, fine, done. That's great. Two hours a piece. And like the structure you said, you got the first half of the movie that's the setup. Then the second half of the movie was just all fights and let's go gung ho. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they could have done it that way. I think probably that way would have been better if you split it up into two parts. But you know what? For what it was, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably the note that's best to end on in the yeah. fact that and we I think, were impressed. I by think it. The, this the thing that I took away from it the most is this movie just goes to show you 
what you can get if you let a passionate creator do what they want to do yeah. without restraint. And not be dictated by the conditions and provisions that a production company would put in place. Exactly. Because as soon as that gets involved, it just changes everything. Exactly. It really does. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what was set in stone for me initially because obviously we did our research and understood kind of the complexity of what Snyder's vision was. Yeah. And we had an idea of it. Yeah. But until we saw it translated onto cinema and then it's like, Holy shit, yeah, okay, this makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, it, it just goes to show that hopefully going forward, not just with Warner Brothers, with a lot of other studios, if you've got a director that's passionate and is basically helming this, let them have the creative freedom that they need. Yeah. Let them do what they need to do and you will get a fucking hell of a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Simple as that. Let them do what they want to do. Mm. Don't restrict them. True. And then you'll see the quality of movies just keep going up and up mm-hmm. because people are getting, like those directors and the production teams are getting the, the creative what? freedom they need. Production. Oh, they said production. No, it's a production. Okay. But they're getting the creative freedom that they need. Yeah. Without restraint. True. So that's probably one of the biggest things I took away. Like, wow, this is what we got with someone who didn't, who wasn't held back. Yeah. He just did what they needed to. Yeah. Like, that's sick. Very like, true. I love that. So hopefully that's what happens going forward. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, there we have it. There we have it. It's not a Justice League. Yeah. Worth a watch. Yeah, definitely worth, a, worth watch. a watch. If you haven't gotten around to it, it is worth a watch. And like we said, it is split into six parts. So at least you can stop it if you need to kind of take a break for a bit or like maybe you want to pick it up the next day or whatever have you, you can do so. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you want to plug us? Well, yeah. Look, I haven't done it yet, actually. Holy no. crap. I've only left to the end of the episode. It's slack of me. But if you haven't done so already, be sure to go like and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Anchor, iTunes, Bullhorn, uh, Podcast Addict, or whatever other podcast platform you use. You can also find us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebel, Rebels Without a 1, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast, as well as the Generation Random Network Facebook page, yeah. and also on YouTube at Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. There we go. Go. Well, thank you for listening. And if you guys have any feedback on tonight's episode, whether you like the content, please give us a shout out. Please let us know what your thoughts were, whether you like Justice League or not. I'd be interested to see uh, what everyone's thoughts were. Yep. And hopefully we'll endeavor to start bringing you content a lot. Um, well, maybe hopefully back to a regular schedule. Mm. We'll try and I've got a bit more stability about my life now. Yeah, so. so hopefully we'll be back to more of a regular schedule, but um, we'll endeavour to get some more episodes out. Yeah. And if you haven't done so already, guys, for all of those people who out there who are TikTokers, um, jump onto Horror Nomad on TikTok. Yeah, boy. This is um the bloke to my left here. Yeah. That's his TikTok page with a decent amount of followers, so... Give him a follow, like some videos, and give him some comments and whatnot. That's it. That's it. So get get on the get on the talks and get on Tony's at fart ass fart oh, a double five. It's not bad. Just do it. Just it's trust me. It's worth. It's just, just not. And then check out the video steak night. No. Yes, please do. <laughs> Don't do and that. Just see what pure filth this man is beside <laughs> oh, me. My good god. Descos, Dan. Do you want to plug yourself? Do you want to plug yourself? Nah, I'm all right. You're done? Yeah. You're no, done. You're, good. you're, you're done now. You're done? You're done now. I'm, you're, I'm done. You're I'm done, done now. All right, well, now that you're done now, let's give it a fucking... Ah! Ah!